Chapter Twenty Two of Brenda, Her School and Her Club. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Brenda, Her School and Her Club by Helen Leah Reed. Chapter Twenty Two. Brenda's Secret. Julia had not been long in the house after her walk with Miss South when she heard her aunt at the door. In reply to her, "Are you here, Julia?" the young girl ran forward with a, "Yes, indeed, Auntie, come right in." "Why, how pretty your room looks!" exclaimed Mrs. Barlow. "I had almost forgotten that it could be so pleasant." "That sounds as if you had not been up here for some time, and indeed I was thinking myself only this morning that you had rather neglected me lately, at least in the matter of visiting me." I know it, dear child, but you know that I have been very busy this winter. There are many things to occupy me, and the Boston season is so short. We haven't had one of our pleasant chats here for several weeks, but I hope that you are perfectly comfortable. I am sure that you would tell me if you should need anything that I have overlooked. Nothing has been overlooked, Aunt Anna, that could add in any way to my comfort. Then you are perfectly contented. Sometimes I fancy that I see an expression on your face that seems to indicate, well, not discontent, but something of the kind, as if you were a little unhappy. Oh, no, indeed, Aunt Anna, you are all too kind, and I enjoy every moment in Boston. Of course, I miss poor Papa, but he had expected to leave me for so long a time that I was prepared, and he himself always said that he wished me to think of him as only gone away for a time. Yet, of course, I miss him. But then you and Uncle Tom have been everything to me, and so thoughtful. I can't imagine a more delightful room than this, with the view of the river, and these dainty artistic things about me, and my own piano and books. You have no idea how I have enjoyed it. Well, I am glad that it all pleases you, for perhaps we could not have done as well for you if Agnes had been at home. You know that this was her studio, and no other room in the house is so large and cheerful. Now it has always seemed hard that you could not have kept Eliza with you this winter. She had been part of your old life, and you would have been much happier with someone to talk with about it. Of course, I should have been glad to have had her with me, but I couldn't insist on her staying when her brother needed her so much after the death of his wife. I had such an amusing letter from one of her little nieces the other day, thanking me for lending them their Aunt Eliza, and saying that they did not know when they could return her. Then she can't come to spend the summer at Stormbridge? I do not exactly know, for Eliza has not written to me herself, but I half believe that it is better for me to do without a maid. I feel ever so much more independent, although naturally I do miss Eliza. Mrs. Barlow smiled at the philosophic tone which Julia had assumed, for she had quietly made her own observations on the state of Julia's mind, when at the very beginning of her stay in Boston Eliza had been called away. Another year you may need somebody, even if you cannot have Eliza. The older a girl grows, the more stitches there are to be taken for her, and next season you will have less time than at present to do things for yourself. But I like this feeling of independence, or rather I like to feel that I have to depend almost entirely on myself. I am just so much more of a person than I should be if I had Eliza to wait on me constantly, as I used to. 
"'A certain amount of independence in a young girl is a good thing,' replied Mrs. Barlow, "'and I am glad that yours takes a somewhat different form from Brenda's. "'I wonder, for example, where she is this afternoon. "'She had an appointment at her dressmaker's, "'but when I went there to make a suggestion or two about her new coat, "'they told me that she had not been there, "'and here it is near dinner-time with no sign of Brenda.' probably she is with bell or some of the girls but still i do not like her going off in this way while mrs barlow was speaking julia hoped that she would not ask her if she had seen brenda and fortunately she did not do so to be sure julia had nothing special to tell and indeed had not her aunt spoken of the broken appointment at the dressmaker's she might have mentioned the glimpse of brenda that she had had downtown but now she began to suspect that something was wrong at least it was strange that brenda should have deceived her mother about the dressmaking appointment the dressmaker's rooms were not downtown so that it was not this appointment that had taken her to the neighborhood of winter street "'But where have you been yourself this afternoon, Julia?' asked Mrs. Barlow, and Julia told her of her visit to the Roses, and of the plans that Miss South had suggested for raising them out of their present trouble. "'I am afraid that Brenda won't agree with her,' she said, "'for she has the idea that the one thing needful is to give Mrs. Rosa a large sum of money to spend just as she likes.' "'Brenda isn't very practical,' replied Mrs. Barlow. "'I only wish that she had your common sense. "'Or, if she were more like Agnes, it would be better, "'for although Agnes is an artist, she is decidedly practical.' "'Oh, Brenda is so much younger,' said Julia, apologetically. "'Yes, I know it. "'That is undoubtedly one reason for her heedlessness. "'But it sometimes seems as if her willfulness increases every day.' "'I am afraid, too, that she has not always been considerate of you. "'I have been wishing to speak of this for a long time, "'though it is not an easy thing to do. "'It would pain me very much to have you feel that any of us, "'even Brenda, has been inhospitable.' "'Oh, no, indeed, Aunt Anna. "'I am not likely to think anything of that kind. "'I make allowances for Brenda, "'and I honestly think that she is getting to like me better.' "'There ought not to be any question of that kind. "'If it were not for Bell, Brenda would be inclined to throw herself more upon you. "'But I am sure that Bell keeps her stirred up all the time. "'But there, I ought not to talk so much about this, at least to you. "'Only I have thought that I ought to tell you that your uncle and I "'have feared that you have had several experiences this winter "'that were not altogether pleasant, "'and I should fail in my duty if I did not express our appreciation of your patience.' Then, rising from her chair, Mrs. Barlow leaned over Julia and kissed her on the forehead, saying, as she turned to leave the room, "'We have barely time now to get ready for dinner.' Just as Julia opened her door to go down to the library, where she usually talked with her uncle for a few minutes before dinner, she saw Brenda rushing upstairs to the floor above. "'Where's Brenda?' asked Mr. Barlow, as they took their places at the table. There was a note of severity in his voice that Mrs. Barlow and Julia detected at once. "'Why, she has been out all the afternoon,' replied the former, "'but I have sent word for her to hasten downstairs.' At this moment the delinquent entered the dining-room and took her place at the table. Although she had changed her street dress, she had apparently dressed in a great hurry, and her hair looked almost disheveled, as she had evidently not had time to rearrange it. 
Hardly responding to the greetings of her parents and cousin, Brenda began to talk very rapidly about, well, about the subject to which many of us turn when we are embarrassed, the weather. "'Yes,' said her father, in a kind of general response to her vague remarks, "'yes, I will admit that it has been a fine day, almost the first really spring-like day that we have had, that it is a delightful day to have been out in the open air, but all this does not prevent my asking you why you should be so late to dinner. You know my rule, and that I shall have to punish you in some very decided way if this happens again.' "'For once, Brenda has no excuse ready,' added Mrs. Barlow. "'Now I am anxious to know where you have been this afternoon.' Brenda turned very red before replying, "'Oh, Belle and I have been together.' "'I dare say,' said Mr. Barlow, "'but that does not tell us where you have been.' "'Anyone would think,' cried Brenda, almost in tears, "'that I was a girl of ten years of age. "'I do not know anyone who has to account for everything she does. "'There is not a girl at school who is watched in this way.' "'Brenda flashed a glance at Julia, as if she might be the informant, "'and Julia rejoiced that she had not even mentioned having seen Brenda downtown. "'You were not at the dressmaker's this afternoon,' said Mrs. Barlow reproachfully. "'I hope that you were not on the bridge, looking at the cruise,' said Mr. Barlow. "'No,' said Brenda quickly. "'I was not. Why did you think of that?' "'Because someone has been telling me that a number of foolish girls are in the habit of going where the Harvard Bridge is building on fine afternoons, just as the class crews are out exercising, and that some of these girls always have their handkerchiefs, and even cheer as their favorites come near. And more than this, someone has told me that you are often seen among these girls. Now, Brenda, I tell you frankly that this won't do.' "'Oh, Papa, you are so particular. "'A great many girls think that it is perfectly proper to go there, "'and no one ever says a word about it. "'I wonder who told you. "'Some old maid, I am certain of that.' "'No, indeed. "'No old maid, but a young man, and a student, too. "'He felt very sorry that you should be seen there. "'He says that there is always a great mixture of people in the crowds on the bridge.' and that it must be far from an agreeable place for a young lady, besides not being a proper one. "'Well, I only wish that I could tell who that young man is,' cried Brenda. "'I should call him a perfect goose.' "'He is far from that,' responded Mr. Barlow. "'And I ought to say that I agree with him thoroughly. "'I only wish that I had heard about this before. "'And now I hope that you will understand, Brenda, "'that you are forbidden to go near the Harvard Bridge in the afternoon.' "'Not to the bridge at all?' cried Brenda, in a most doleful voice. "'Why, I can't see the harm. "'Well, I can, and that is enough.' "'You can go to the races themselves, Brenda, when they actually come off,' interposed Mrs. Barlow. "'But if you think it over, you will see good reasons for not hanging about the bridge as a boy might, "'merely to see the crews pass.' "'Brenda made no attempt at further argument.' and one result of the little discussion that there had been about the bridge and the cruise was to divert her father and mother from asking further questions about the way in which she had spent this particular afternoon she was rather relieved when the evening passed without julia's referring to having seen her downtown she was almost sure that julia and miss south had recognized her and bell and she were in dread lest in this way her father and mother should learn that she and her rather mischievous friend had gone alone to a matinee for this was now brenda's secret 
she had not only gone downtown alone, but she had gone to the music hall without an older person accompanying her. With parents as indulgent as hers, there seemed no need for her to try to secure forbidden pleasures, nor would she probably have done this but for Belle. It had been the study of Belle's life to get what she wished in a clandestine way. Her stern old grandmother was constantly forbidding her to do this thing or that, and her commands were often really unreasonable. No one was quicker to detect this than Belle herself, and it was on this ground that she often excused her own disobedience. "'Why, even Mamma does not expect me to mind everything that Grandmamma says.' and as her mother was rather timid, as well as half ill all the time, she gave her self-possessed daughter very few commands of her own. "'I don't believe that I should be so ready to disobey Mama,' Belle would say to Brenda, when the latter on occasions remonstrated with her. "'But with Grandmamma it is different, for I do not consider that she has any right to lay down the law as she does.' Nevertheless, when Brenda and Belle sat in the front row in the large music hall, for Brenda had bought expensive seats, both girls felt that old Mrs. Gregg was pretty nearly right in saying that places of amusement were not proper for a young girl. They had both been at similar performances before, but always some older person had selected the entertainment. This one, which they themselves had chosen from the glaring posters decorating the billboards of the city, and from the conversation of the Harvard freshmen of their acquaintance, was altogether different from anything they had seen. It was advertised as an exhibition of ventriloquists, but it had a general air of vulgarity that was extremely displeasing to them. Brenda wished more than once that she had not joined Belle in this adventure. She did not like the loud jokes and the scant costumes of the performers, and she hoped that there was no one in the audience who would recognize her. Of course there were times when she laughed at the funny things on the stage, for who could help it? But many of the jokes and the incidents at which the rest of the audience laughed the loudest fell rather flat on the ears of the two young girls. This was as it should be, for neither of the two was anything worse than heedless and a little too fond of having her own way. In Belle this willfulness took the form of a willingness to use subterfuge, both in word or deed, to gain her own way. Brenda did not follow her very closely in this direction, although there was danger that her conscience would be dulled before she realized it under Belle's influence. Brenda, indeed, felt so uncomfortable during the performance that if she could have done so without observation, she would have left the hall. But she did not quite dare to go out in the face of the great audience, and besides, when she made the suggestion to Belle, the latter would not hear of her going. "'No, indeed,' she had said. "'Why should we go? You are a regular baby, Brenda. It isn't so very bad, only a little vulgar. And just see what crowds of people there are here. And some of them seem just as good as we are. And, you know, I read you that newspaper clipping that said that this was one of the successes of the year. You and I are not used to this kind of thing, but, dear me, we can't expect to stay children all our lives.' So Brenda sat there with an uneasy conscience, wondering what her mother would say, or her father, or Julia, who never by any chance did anything that she ought not to do. Stolen sweets are apt to taste a little bitter, and when the performance was over, Brenda and Belle went out with the crowd. 
On the way out, rough people, or people whom Belle called rough, pushed against them, while one or two rude boys made saucy remarks to the young girls who seemed conscious of being in the wrong place. It wasn't at all an agreeable experience, especially as they were both wondering if any of their friends were likely to see them. Then there was that chance glimpse of Julia and Miss South, and the rather silly action on the part of Brenda and Belle of hiding in the doorway. Really, they needed all the consolation they could get from their visit to the confectioners around the corner. There they drank great glasses of chocolate, sipping the whipped cream at the top, as if they were young ladies of twenty loitering in the shops after the symphony. As they stirred the chocolate with their long spoons, and lingered on the settee at the end of the shop, to watch the lively young men and women who were constantly coming in and out to buy bonbons, or to get refreshment, they forgot all that had been disagreeable at the music-hall, and for the time being imagined that they were young ladies themselves. Yet, when Brenda reached home, with hardly time to dress for dinner, conscience began to prick again. End of chapter 22 Read by Deborah Knight, United States of America February 22, 2011